Happy New Year, Valley family, from the Williamson Library to the coziness of your own home. I have a special message today that I want to share with you. But first, I just want to thank you for joining us on our online campus. It's online campus only. And uh, I hope you've had a great Christmas and New Year as well. And specifically, why we're shooting this and, uh, from the Williamson Library is I want to talk about making my story meaningful, making your story meaningful in 2022. And so uh, let, let's just go to one of the, the books from my library here and, and just some thoughts that I want to share with you uh, to really help to kind of frame what I believe God has for us in the future, uh, really this year that's before us in 2022. You, you know, uh, so many times I, I come across people in conversation, talk to a lot of people, you know, friends and family and neighbors, and of course people in the church as well. And, and one of the questions that maybe it's worded a little bit different here or there, but so many times it's, how, how do I make sense of my life? What is life all about? I, I mean, I heard a really uh, heartbreaking statistic recently that, uh, that there are more suicide attempts in the United States between Thanksgiving and Christmas than the previous 11 months combined. And I think a lot of that is because people are looking for meaning. And, and if meaning is just in what you do or the job or in the things that you accumulate, you know, even if it's just in relationships and then relationships go sour, you, 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 you lose the essence of what life is really all about. And, and this is not anything new at all, this whole search for meaning and, and making my story meaningful. Uh, this has been since the beginning of time, really. And, and especially in the early church, we see that this actually happened in the time of the Bible as well. And, and so I, I want to just take time as we start this new year to really, from the Bible, answer the question, how do I make my life make sense? How, do, how can we make 2022 make sense? And, and there's an interesting passage, and I want to read it to you from this book because it, it's a story that's recorded for us that happened to Paul the Apostle, and, and he really was dealing with people that were, in essence, asking that question, what's the meaning of life? How, how do you even make it make sense? I mean, if we just evolved from some sort of prehistoric sludge, if that's what humanity is, well, nothing makes sense. But if you and I were created, as we've talked about in the past, on purpose, for a purpose, that God created you, God created me, every single one of us on purpose, for a purpose, well, well then we can find fulfillment and really discover, you know, what, what, what life is all meant to be and, and, and make sense of this life on earth. So I, I want to read in Acts chapter 17 uh, a, a lengthy passage, and we'll just kind of work our way through it, and, and I'll unpack it as we go in really answering this question, how do I make my life make sense? So beginning in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, so he's in Athens, Greece, when this takes place, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. You know, it's a lot like our culture. People chasing after that God-sized hole, that vacuum, trying to fill it with all kinds of things. That's very much how Athens, Greece was in the time 
uh, of Paul, the apostle. And, and he was greatly distressed because of it. And it said, so he reasoned in the synagogue. So when he went to Athens, he first went to the Jewish synagogues with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. So they, they didn't know about Jesus, but they, they had this sense of, of who Jehovah was, and they were God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. And boy, I think if there's anything we can learn just even from 2022 as we're starting here is, you know, the conversation about God cannot be contained inside the walls of the church. It's never supposed to be that way. It was never meant to be that way. And what we see here is even in the marketplace, there's conversations about God that are taking place. Paul would first go to synagogues, but then he would go into the marketplace. And, and personally, I believe so strongly in this that, that, that we're meant to influence not just in the church, but in our community, on the job, in the marketplace. There's so much in the Bible about this. This is why I have a, a you know, lead a network. I'm honored to lead a network, Connexus Leadership Network. And we're actually going to be like relaunching that in 2022 in the spring here. And you just want to pay attention to that about empowering people to really be salt and light in the marketplace. Where'd you get an idea like that from, Greg? Well, in the Bible. This is just one of many, many places where we're supposed to be influencing even on the job. As I like to say, you are where you are for God's sake. And God has placed you where you are in terms of your occupation, your vocation, uh, even your hobbies to influence other people for God's sake, for the kingdom of God's sake. Paul understood that, and so he went to the synagogues first, and then he went into the marketplace day by day to talk with those really about the things of God. And it says, uh, next verse, a group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate him and some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And so Paul also understood the gospel and the Christian faith well enough that he could actually defend the faith from those that were kind of trying to attack it and question it. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And then they took him and they brought him to a meeting at the Areopagus. I have a hard time saying that, Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. So they were very, very curious because of what Paul was saying about Christ. That's the essence of what's happening here. He says, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. In other words, there it is right there. What's the meaning? They're searching. These are philosophers. These are very well-educated people, and yet they're still searching for meaning. How do I make life make sense? What is the meaning of life? And Paul connects that to Christ because ultimately we only find meaning through Jesus Christ. So they literally say, what does this mean? We want to talk a little bit more the ideas that we're hearing, because we want to know what it means. And it says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking and listening about the latest ideas. You know, there's, there's so much that hasn't changed in the world. Uh, it's still, to, people just talk so much about the latest and the greatest ideas. And, and again, Paul leveraged that curiosity. Paul leveraged that longing 
that, that people had back then that people still have today, and maybe you do, even tuning in to our online campus, and Paul spoke hope and really meaning into it, the, that vacuum that people have, and that ultimately is found in Jesus Christ. And then it says, then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Arapagus, you know what it is, Arapagus, <laughs> and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way, look at this, you're very religious. He, 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 he affirmed them for being very religious. In other words, they're, they're very spiritual, but they still haven't connected that to Jesus Christ. A lot of people are very, very spiritual in our world today, but, but still have not yet connected to Jesus Christ, and that was the way it was 2,000 years ago. And he goes on and he says, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Those that were in Athens, they were so into idol worship that they actually they had hundreds and thousands of different idols and temples and all of this in Athens. And then they even had one that was just for, in case we missed one of the gods, we're, we're going to have a special temple for the unknown God, just in case we missed one. That's how spiritual, that's how religious, and could I put it this way, that's how misguided that they actually were. And so again, Paul connects to this pagan religion, recognition of religion, and he fills it full of meaning and really redeems this, this inscription here. He says, let me tell you about that unknown God. And he begins to talk to them about Jesus Christ. So many times I think as Christians, we're, we're intimidated and we're af afraid to engage people where they are because of some of the ideas that they may have. But we find Paul was never like that. That Paul understood the ins and outs of the Christian faith and he actually was able to connect to the pagan, godless culture in a way to communicate the timeless truth about the reality that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it says, so you are ignorant of the very thing you're worshiping. It's like you're just covering your tails with, with this whole uh, inscription to an unknown God. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. He goes, I'm going to tell you who that unknown God is. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands. Man, there is so much in this passage. I know I keep stopping, but... Did you hear what Paul said? This is a common, common, I've heard pastors, pastors today in 2022, they refer to churches as the house of God. There's only one problem with that. The Bible says God doesn't dwell in homes, that doesn't build, dwell in buildings that are built. That's what Paul just said right there. The God who made this world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in the temples built by human hands. That's an Old Testament perspective. That is not New Testament. That has nothing to do with Jesus Christ when, when a pastor stands up and says, come into the house of God. That's not where God dwells in buildings. He doesn't dwell in this beautiful library that I'm sitting in here, uh, the, the Williamson Library. He, he dwells in human hearts. And it says, he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. He doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need anything from me. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. 
God is the one who gives life to everything. Our Heavenly Father does. Whether we recognize it or not, whether we believe in His existence or not, He still gives you life, and He gives me life. And Paul continues, and he says, From one man He made all the nations, he's speaking of Adam, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and He marked out their appointed times. We talked about this uh, back in December when we talked about that you were created on purpose for a purpose, and that said that the Bible says that David served God and fulfilled God's purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep and went to be with his ancestors. And that you're alive on planet Earth right now for this time. This is the time that God created you. This is the time God created me, and he has a specific plan and a specific purpose that he wants you to fulfill in 2022 and a specific plan and purpose, a unique plan and purpose, he wants me to fulfill in 2022 as well. And and so it says, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God is responsible even for the boundaries of every nation. God's in charge of those things. That's what the Bible said. That's what Paul said by inspiration of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago. God's the one that marks out the boundary lines. He's large and he's in charge. And Paul continues to speak. God did this so that, watch this now, they would seek him, that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. There's just restated once again that great promise that that God made, if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. That, That God is hoping that people will seek him, that maybe maybe you're seeking him today on this first Sunday of 2022. Maybe that's why you joined our online campus. I'm so glad you did. Because he's promised, if you seek him, you'll find him. And, and, and they will find him, though he is not far from any one of us. See, he, he's not contained in any church building. He's not contained in any temple. He, he's right where you are. He's closer to you than, than the next breath that comes out of your lungs. He's right where you are right now whether you're in your living room watching this with your family or or maybe you're in a car, maybe you're in a bedroom, wherever you are, maybe you're in a break room on the job because you had to work today. He's right there, right where you are. And Paul continues to talk and explain just as how magnificent God our Heavenly Father is. For in Him we live and we move and we have our being as some of your own poets, and now, I love this also, he was so well acquainted with even the Greek poets. And he says, and even as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And so he's connecting the dots from this idol. He's not afraid of it. He's not scared of something jumping on him. I know a lot of Christians, they're so spooky scared of something bad jumping on them. Oh my gosh, the boogeyman or something like that. If, If I engage in culture, Paul wasn't afraid. He actually pointed to a pagan idol and he filled it full of me and redeemed it to share the good news of really who God is and reveal who God is. See, we find ultimate purpose. How, how do we make our life make sense? It's only when we come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's really how we do it. In fact, I love how uh, the psalmist, he, he actually wrote, David wrote in Psalm 139, 
verse 13 and 16, he said, for you created my inmost beings. That's how well God knows you. That's how well God knows me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Before your mother ever met you, God knew you. He designed every facet of who you are. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are too. David goes on and he says, your works are wonderful. He's talking about himself. Because he had a relationship with God, he, he understood the value of his life. Life doesn't make sense apart from a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. See, you're not an accident. God made you, as I like to say, on purpose, for a purpose. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, he's talking about in the depths of his mother in her womb, and, and, and just as God was created God created him, Adam, from the dust of the earth. He's tying back to that idea. And God, you created me as well when you woven me together from the dust of the earth. And then watch this. Don't miss this. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me are written in your book, were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, just like I'm, I'm reading out of a book here today from the Williamson Library, God has a book, and he has written the script of your life. And, and he's the author of your life. And he has every detail of your life written down already. And, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. Whether we recognize it or not, either we recognize that God has written the story and we want to follow his script, his book, or we're just letting fate write our story. We're just, whatever happens, oh, I'll figure it out somehow, I'll muddle through, you know, and we're just bounced all over the place instead of following the story that God has written for your life, instead of me following the story that God's written for my life. He's written a book, and that's the story of your life. He's the author. In fact, I, lo I love that where it even says of Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of the story of your life and my life. So here's a question for you today on this first Sunday in New Year's. Who's writing your story? Who's writing your story? Are you writing your own story? Or is the culture pressuring you? Are they writing your story? Or is God the one who's writing your story? See, I believe this with, with, with everything in me. God wants us to, make, to take the reins of our own story. God's writing the story, and he wants, to take, he wants you and I to take the reins, take the responsibility. God, who am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to go? What is it you want me to do? And that we, could I put it out, we act out the script that God has written for us. He writes the story, and then we take the reins. We're, we're, we're the... The, the leads, if you will. I mean, ultimately, he's the script writer, but we're the, the actors and actresses. And he wants you and I to take the reins of our story and to follow the script that he's written for us, just like David understood that when he said, all the days of my life were ordained and you have written them in your book. You know, uh, 
actually had the chance, uh, I heard a, a, a pastor talking about a, a new book that's going to be released shortly uh, in just a couple weeks uh, by a great author, uh, Donald Miller. And it's just this whole idea about how a good, good stories are actually written. And, and, and he's a believer and, and talks about really the ultimate story is the story that God has written for all of humanity. And, and uh, I, I can't wait to, to actually read the book when it comes out. You can Google it. And just from what I've heard, it's just uh, some expert excerpts are going to be really, really inspirational, kind of tying into what I want to talk about, what I am talking about today, this idea of God is writing a story. And in the book there, Donald Miller actually talks about that, you know, every great story has like four different characters. Four different characters, and that's true in the Bible, that, that's true, you see this in, uh, in my life, in your life, in, in any movie that you ever go to, in any book that you ever read, like all the books behind me in my library here. Um, and, and, and the first one, every, every good story has a victim. There, there's, there's a victim, and a victim uh, is the character who feels like there's no way out. Circumstances or situations have happened, and, and the victim is... It's, it's a lost cause. I'm just giving up. You, you know, a lot of people have a victim mentality. A lot of people in, in our culture, in our world, have decided, I'm going to play the role of a victim. And, and, and once they decide that, they view everything in life that I'm being victimized. But, but that's only one of the main roles in a story. And, and we have to make the choice of what role are we going to play in our story. Because not only is there, are there victims, the victim, but then there's also the villain. And the villain is the character who's responsible for ruining the story. Uh, they're, they're the ones that everybody blames. They're, they're the ones that if it weren't for that guy, if it weren't for that group, everything would be perfect. But because of them, I'm a victim. And, and the crazy thing about villains is this. Victims uh, who become villains... Uh, oftentimes, victims become villains who are really trying to bring everyone down to their level. And so villains are negative, they demean people, and, and it's because really they're, they're victims themselves, and, and they want to pull everyone down to their level of misery. That, that's really what a villain is, and so their victimization becomes aggressive. They put their victimization to action to try to destroy, to demean, to discourage everyone around them. And, and so every good story has a victim, and it also has a villain. Many people choose the victim and the villain role as coping mechanisms for the pain and the hurt that, that has piled up throughout a lifetime. But the reality is those two things can keep you and can keep me, those two roles that you can choose to play in 2022 can keep us, number one, from fulfilling, from fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our life, and, and, and number two, from really having the, the wholeness and the healing that God wants every one of us to have, the, 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 the fullness of life that God created you and God created me to have. But those aren't the only two roles. There are four roles, really, to every great story, four different characters. Then there's the hero. And the hero is the character who saves the day. You know, heroes are simply uh, those who accept the challenges that have happened to them and choose to be transformed and decide to help others. That's what a hero is. 
They, they, they simply are those who accept the challenges. They're not those that have an easy life. They, they've had just as much pain, just as much heartache, but instead of, I choose to be a victim and, and take that on as an identity, that instead I'm going to accept these challenges that have happened to me and, and I'm going to choose to allow them to transform me and, and I'm going to help other people as a result. And that's what a real, the hero in any story is. But then there's also a fourth character, and that is the guide. The guide. The guide is the character who helps the hero. And, and you know, isn't it interesting, maybe you're not aware of this, one of the names of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in Scripture, the Greek word for, for referring to the Holy Spirit oftentimes in the New Testament is parakletos. And, and that word parakletos literally means one who comes alongside. One, one who says, you're not alone. I, I'm going to face this with you. What a beautiful picture of the guide. That's what the Holy Spirit is in your life. In my, and that's who the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life and in my life. And here's the crazy thing, as Donald Miller actually uh, puts forth in his new book, and I think it's really true. All four characteristics, all four of those characters, the victim, the villain, the hero, the guide, exist inside of us at different times. And sometimes can exist inside one day. All depending on the choices that you and I make. Am I going to, here's a new circumstance, here's a surprise, am I going to be a victim? Am I going to be a villain? Am I going to be a hero? Or am I going to be a guide? And in 2022, the choice is yours. The choice is mine. No one can make you be a victim. No one can force you to have a victim mentality. I know people, personally, that, that lived years and years as a hero, as a guide, and then they chose to be a victim. And it completely changed the trajectory of their life. Not, not because something happened to them that hadn't happened to hundreds and thousands of other people, but they chose, I want to have a victim mentality. And, and now it's just sad to see how their life has kind of shrank shriveled away because they made that choice. Every one of us has a choice to make in 2022. Will we, will we embrace that God has written the story, we're gonna follow the script that he wrote, and, and, and I'm gonna be a hero, or I'm gonna be a, a helper, I'm gonna be a guide for someone else. Let, let me go a little bit deeper on this just to understand, because I think I probably got your attention right now. See, when we say uh, there's no way out, or, or maybe when we think that in our head, we become a victim. There's no way out. This is an impossible situation. Nothing's going to change. When we lose hope, we become a victim. When, when we say about someone else, oh, that person's an idiot, or just choose your adjective that you want there. Choose your uh, description there. Uh, that person is a blank. We become a villain. We, we begin to vilify and we begin to demonize someone else or, or, or another group in our community or, or in our culture or in our neighborhood. And, and we're making that choice. But when we say, I accept this challenge, that's when we become a hero. When we're like, okay, God, this isn't a surprise to you. And so I accept this challenge and, and I trust you and I'm going to walk through this difficult situation and this circumstance because I know that you're with me. You become a hero at that time, in that moment. 
Or maybe instead you see someone else going through a difficult time and you say, I'm here to help. How can I help you? You're not alone. We'll walk through this together. Then you become a guide. And you know, for me personally, uh, I, that's really what a pastor is. I think the biggest thing that I am is, is, is I'm a guide to help people and, and to point them toward Jesus Christ. I think that's one of the, one of the greatest uh, roles that any one of us could ever choose is how can I help? I'm here to help, to be a guide. And, and in 2022, here's the thing. We choose the character we want to be. The choice is yours. I get to choose what character I want to be. You get to choose which one of the characters that you want to be. Every one of us needs to live for something. And that's why life doesn't make sense when we choose to be a victim or when we choose to be a villain. It's when we choose to be a hero. God, I'm going to go through this. I'm leaning on you. I'm trusting in you. Or we choose to be a guide. God, how can I help someone else that's going through a difficult time? That's when life begins to really make sense. Everyone needs something to live for outside of themselves. And that's when life really begins to make sense. So I want to just boil this down real practical for you today. Just, just again, hopefully just taking this to heart as we're launching into a new year here on January the 2nd. How, how do we make our story make sense? Well, the first thing is this. We, we need a vision of a better future for ourselves and others. So, see, all, all these roles and everything, you see these throughout the Bible as well. And, 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 and this is what, like, maybe psychologists would say, but the reality is, this is what God's Word says. We need a vision of a better future for ourselves and others. Look at what God's Word said. Long before modern psychology, uh, the Bible actually says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's God's Word. Thousands and thousands of years ago, where there is no vision, the people perish. And, and so, we need a vision. You need a vision. I need a vision. We together, even as a church family, we need a vision. And we've talked about that back in September uh, when, when we really were looking at our core values as a church. Know God, discover, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We need a vision. And I encourage you, if you don't have a personal vision, to write a personal vision for yourself as well. I did that probably about 25 years ago, made such a difference in my life. Just like, this is why I exist on this planet. After spending some time in prayer and, and reading God's word, this is my personal mission or vision statement. Because see, where there's no vision, the people perish. They're just blown from one thing to another, and they lack fulfillment. What, life just doesn't even make sense. Here's the second thing, if we're gonna make sense out of all, we need to be connected with a community who are committed to that same vision. That's why it's important for me as pastor, and, and, and we put it on the wall for me to talk about it. Uh, it's on the walls in the cafe of our church building in Hopewell in Poughkeepsie. It'll be on the walls when we open in Poughkeepsie as well. We have it all over our website to put it, to make it plain, and to put it before the people. Because when you're connected to something greater than yourself, a community that, that are committed to the same vision, you, you know what? One is just not enough to make a big impact in this world. But when we gather together and we have the same vision, we can make a huge impact. By myself, I might could feed one person, but, but when, we, 
are committed to the vision of, of really reaching out, we, we have and we will continue to feed hundreds and thousands of people in need in our community. We'll, we'll plant churches. You know, we'll, we'll clothe those that, that don't have clothing. Hundreds and thousands of people. That's when we come together with a vision. Every person needs to be connected with a community who's committed to the same vision. Ecclesiastes puts it this way. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. This is one of the reasons why we have uh, valley groups, our small groups. It's, it's just, my heart just is, is so full when I hear that, that literally we have whole organizations and ministries that have come out of our valley groups, sharing and caring for people in our community at, during the holidays, all throughout the year as well. And you can look for uh, valley groups that are going to be opening up in just a few weeks. You'll be hearing more about it. A place where you can connect, because it's really hard sometimes just to connect uh, on a Sunday, just looking at the back of somebody's head, just saying, hello, good morning, good to see you, goodbye, have a good week. But, but when we begin to share our lives in valley groups and, and really to the point that we can be open and honest about maybe our struggles and we can find encouragement as well and inspiration and, and relationships that like-minded people that have the same commitment and same vision, now, now you're on track that your life is going to look like that script, that story that God has written. And so, just like the Bible says, two are better than one. And you know what's even better than two? A small group. Three, five, eight. We need to be connected with a community that we're committed to the same vision. And here's the third thing that we need for life to make sense. We need to be willing to engage and redeem every conflict that challenges the vision. You know, we all, we, we all struggle with sin. And so, part of being a... a, a Mature follower of Jesus Christ, we, we need to learn how to forgive one another. We're, we're, we're all going to do, you know, dumb things, pieces of stupid that, that, that we need God's grace and mercy for, and, and we need to come clean. And when we hurt people, we need to come clean and, and, and ask for forgiveness and extend mercy and forgiveness and grace because that's what God did for us. We need to learn how to redeem every conflict that challenges the vision or muddies the vision or competes for the vision that God's given to us. And I can't think of any other better verse. There's a lot of them, but I can't think of a better verse that talks about this than Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite in the Bible. And, and it says, and we know that all things, that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. According to his purpose. When we keep our eye on the vision that God's given to us, and we're committed in those relationships, you know what? We're gonna fulfill the story that God wrote for you and for me. We're gonna play the role. We're gonna be the character, that role that God's created you to be. It's not a victim. It's not a villain. It's a hero. Or it's a guide. And so, as I conclude this message today, let me just ask you a couple questions for you to think about. What compelling thing are you trying to bring into the world right now? What compelling thing? What, what is it that's really your heart, your passion, that God's placed there that you're trying to bring into the world today? And here's the second question. 
Who are you doing it with? Who are you doing it with? What is it God's put in your heart for his sake that you're trying to, you're, you want to reach the world? Who are you doing it with? And here's the third question. How are you going to respond to inevitable conflict that's going to come? There's no question. There, there's going to be challenges to that vision. There's going to be challenges to that passion that God's placed in your heart. How do you respond when the conflict comes? Do you respond as a victim? Do you respond as a villain? You're going to bring everybody down. You're going to talk trash. In fact, don't, don't miss the series that we're, uh, we're starting next week, Throwing Shade. We're going to be talking about so much that the Bible talks about, so much that God's, the words that we speak, like how important they are and how many warnings there are in Scripture about the kind of words that we say to each other. How are you going to respond to inevitable conflict? Inevitable conflict is going to come. Let's do this thing together in 2022. Let's choose together as a valley family, we are going to, not be victims we're not going to be villains we're going to be heroes we're going to be guides and we're going to follow the script that God has written for you and he's written for me and us is what he's written for us as a church family and we're going to fulfill the story that he wrote for you and for me no more thinking there's no there's just no way out we're not going to do that make that decision today not going to think anymore that person's an idiot that that that, that person you know no i'm, I'm not going to be a villain instead I, I i'm accepting this challenge i'm accepting this crisis i'm accepting this difficulty i'm accepting this surprise i'm accepting this shock that i didn't see coming and i'm going to walk through it with god he's going to give me the grace he's going to give me the strength and and also He's going to give me someone beside me. He's going to give me a group. Maybe it's a valley group that, that are going to walk with me as well. And, and, and maybe you're not going through something tough right now, so it's time for you to be a guide, to help guide somebody going through a difficult time that maybe you know God brought you through and to help them through what they're facing today. And so right now, I just want to, I want to close this message And I just want to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help to make life meaningful. God, apart from you, we're we're just never going to find real true meaning in life. And, And so, Father, by your grace, we thank you for this year that's ahead of us, 2022. Lord, we thank you for what we learned in 2021 but God we believe you the script's still being written and so we look to you Lord we we look to you to make sense out of 2022 and God we pray you convict each and every one of us when we begin to fall into choosing to be a victim there's no way out or choosing to be a villain and demonizing people But Lord, by your grace, we would choose instead to be a hero. I accept this challenge. Or to be a guide for someone else that's really struggling. I'm here to help. God, thank you for your word that gives us direction. 
And we thank you for everything you have planned and purposed for us in 2022. We take responsibility and we choose the roles that you want us to, that of a hero and that of a guide. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.